This isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? What do you mean? Did Caesar live here? Um, no. I don't think so. I went to Vegas last weekend. Pretty crazy. Vegas, baby! Vegas! Gentlemen, welcome to Las Vegas. Why don't you give me half the money you were gonna bet? And we'll go out back, I'll kick you in the nuts, and we'll call it a day! Some guys just can't handle Vegas. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 34 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. My name is Jeff, and I want to welcome you aboard this little podcast journey to what I like to think of as the best city on the planet, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. For this episode of the podcast, I've put together something that I'm calling Vegas FAQ. The concept is pretty simple. Basically, I've gathered up all the questions about Las Vegas that I see asked most frequently, whether it's on Twitter or one of the many various Vegas-related Facebook pages I'm a member of, or even questions that people ask me directly on a regular basis. I'm going to do my best to answer all of them here in this episode. I'm going to cover a ton of material here, including questions about money and budgets, the best way to get around Las Vegas. I'll try to answer some of the totally subjective questions people ask about hotels, restaurants, and shows. And of course, you can't have Sin City without the sin. So I'm even going to cover topics like booze, drugs, and prostitution. So get ready for a whole lot of info coming your way. This is Vegas FAQ. So I want to begin things by trying to answer some of the more general questions that tend to come up when people start trying to plan their trips to Las Vegas. Uh, Probably the biggest one is questions about the weather. People want to know what's the weather going to be like when I'm there in such and such a month. Well, people do tend to assume that because Las Vegas is located in the desert, it's hot there all the time. I can tell you from my own personal experience that is not the case at all. Las Vegas actually gets a a relatively wide variety of weather. Um, Of course, the hottest months, the summertime, June, July, August, during the day, it can hit upwards of 104 degrees Fahrenheit or 40 Celsius, even hotter at times. Coolest months of the year, uh, December, January, February. Average daytime temperature during those months in the neighborhood of 16 Celsius or about 61 degrees Fahrenheit. Nighttime, if you're there during the fall, winter, and early spring, temperatures can actually drop down to or below freezing. So if you're going to be there during those times of the year, make sure you you pack some warm clothes, maybe a couple of sweaters, maybe a light jacket, something like that. Also, contrary to popular belief, it does rain in Las Vegas. Doesn't rain a whole lot. Average annual rainfall about four inches a year, but a lot of that rain happens during what they call monsoon season. This begins late June, runs through to September. What happens is they get these big thunderstorms that that kind of get trapped in the valley right over the city. You get uh, heavy rain, steady rainfall, high winds, thunder, lightning, flash flooding. It's not a lot of fun, but it's kind of interesting to see when you're there. The nice thing about it, if you do get caught out in one of these things, it's still really warm out. So it's not a cold rain. You're not going to freeze. That's kind of nice. Another question. Does it snow in Vegas? Uh, Believe it or not, yes, it occasionally does snow in Las Vegas. In fact, uh, February 2019 was a lot of fun. Las Vegas, some of the outlying areas actually received between one and three inches of snow. I had friends that lived there posting photos on their Facebook and their Instagram of them building snowmen in their backyard and having snowball fights, photos from the Las Vegas sign of people posing in the snow. It was actually kind of beautiful and really amazing to see. Uh, Back in December 2008, 3.6 inches of snow fell in Las Vegas. And believe it or not, the biggest snowfall to ever hit Las Vegas was in January 1949. They got 16.7 inches of snow absolutely incredible. Now, another big question that also comes up from people planning trips to Las Vegas, they want to know about safety in Las Vegas. Uh, Generally speaking, Vegas is a pretty safe place for tourists. There are security cameras everywhere, and there's a really heavy security and police presence on the Strip and downtown and on Fremont Street. Personally, I've never felt unsafe in any of those areas. Now, the key here 
is you want to make sure that you're staying in the areas where the crowds are and don't wander too far away from those spots, especially at night. For example, I have no problem doing the short walk from Bally's or the Flamingo over to Ellis Island or even the slightly longer walk from Planet Hollywood up to the Hard Rock Hotel during the day. Would I do either of those walks at night? Big hell no. You want to make sure you use common sense, maintain a high level of vigilance when you're out and about. Pickpocketing is very common in Las Vegas, same as it would be in any city where there's large crowds gathered. Just make sure you're keeping your valuables close to your body. Keep your wallets and your phones in your front pockets. Ladies, wear your purse across your body. Consider getting one of those locking theft-proof purses. Uh, You want to make sure you're taking one of those with you. Street performances, if you see those anywhere where there's a large crowd gathered, uh, those are a huge target for pickpocketers. Sometimes the pickpocketers are even in on it with the performers. So again, if you find yourself in a large group of people or a large crowd, just uh, try to uh, keep your hands in your pockets and keep your hands on your belongings. Another thing you want to watch out for, scammers on the strip and Fremont Street. I actually covered a lot of this back in episode number two of the podcast, but just to recap for you, some of the more common scams include uh, fake Buddhist monks and rap artists. Um, The monks want to hand you a bracelet. The rap artists want to try to give you their CD. They'll give both of them to you for free, but then if you try and walk away, they're going to chase you down for money. Um, You also want to keep an eye out for promoters who are selling VIP passes for nightclubs. I'm going to give you a little hint here if you give somebody money to get you into a club spoiler alert you're probably not going to get into that club later um you also want to watch out for the three card monty guys i've noticed a decrease in the number of these guys on the strip and i think the police are starting to crack down on them you've seen it they set up with their little table they got their cards out they're giving you the little pitter patter come on come on in find the queen find the queen 20 bucks find the queen blah 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 you're never going to win that game. Trust me on that. And if you see people who are actually winning on the game, they're probably in on the scam. So just walk away. Another big safety tip. Uh, Keep your wits about you and don't drink too much alcohol, especially if you're a solo traveler. I know Vegas is a place that you want to go. You want to kick back. You want to let loose. You want to have a few drinks. That's fine. But just try to maintain a level of control over yourself. Also, never lose sight of your drink. Unfortunately, there's still people out there that will drop a little something in your drink, roofie you, knock you out. So if you set your drink down, you walk away from it, you come back, don't continue to drink that drink, walk away, get yourself a new one. Another big safety tip that frankly should just be common sense, don't invite strangers to your hotel room and don't go to a hotel room with strangers. That is just bad news. Now, another one of the big questions that tends to come up that sort of falls into this general category, and this is a question that honestly is, has been beaten to death online. It's the topic of whether or not Vegas is family friendly. I'm bringing my kids to Las Vegas. What is there to do here? Well, yeah, I'm going to explain to you how this usually goes. Somebody posts the question on Facebook It ends with insults. It ends with yelling. It ends with the original poster shutting down comments on the post or even going as far as deleting the post. Personally, I probably wouldn't bring kids to Las Vegas, but that's just me. There's no question there is a lot of stuff for families to do in Las Vegas. There's museums, attractions, amusement parks, all kinds of stuff like that. There's lots of family-friendly hotels on the Strip as well, including places like Excalibur, Circus Circus, New York, New York, Stratosphere. They all have stuff that's kind of geared toward families. The key thing that you need to keep in mind is this. Are you trying to do a trip for grown-ups? where you happen to be bringing kids along, or are you doing a family vacation that just happens to be in Las Vegas? This is the question you need to ask yourself. If you want to take a deep dive into this particular topic, I'd invite you to go check out episodes number eight and number 29 of the podcast. Those are both available in the archives at jeffdoesvegas.com. Next up, I want to cover what I like to refer to as the totally subjective questions. These are the questions that people ask that they don't really have a right answer or a wrong answer per se. And the answer that you get is really going to depend on 
the people you're asking. The big three in this category, uh, what's the best hotel to stay at? Where's a good place to eat? And what's a good show to see? These questions are so general. Honestly, when I see people ask these questions, I hate even trying to answer them because if you ask 10 different people these questions, you're going to get 10 different answers. There's some things that you can factor in and some qualifiers that you can add to this question to try to make things a little more specific and maybe get an answer that's going to work best for you. For example, regarding hotels, um, what's your budget? Are you looking for something high end like the Wynn or or the Bellagio or the Venetian? Or are you after something a little more budget friendly? For example, um, the Excalibur or Luxor or the Flamingo, uh, the location. Put that in mind. Do you want to be on the strip? If you do want to be on the strip, where on the strip do you want to be? Do you want to be at the extreme north or extreme south end where you might have to travel a little bit when you're going out for whatever activities you have planned? Or do you want to be right in the thick of things right mid strip? Maybe you don't want to be on the strip at all. Maybe you want to be over on Fremont Street where the party is. Throw that in there when you're asking the question. Also, who are you going to be traveling with? Suggestions for hotels are going to vary wildly depending on who you're traveling with. If you're going solo versus you're going with a significant other versus you're going with a group of uh, buddies or a group of girlfriends. There's certain hotels that are just more appropriate for certain situations. Same thing with the amenities at the hotels. Maybe there's something specific that you're after. Maybe you're traveling down there with your family and you want to make sure you're not staying at a hotel that has a topless adults only pool. These are things that, again, if you include them in your question, you're going to get a better answer. Same deal when you're asking about restaurants. There are literally hundreds, if not thousands of restaurants in Las Vegas. Again, when you're asking the question about restaurants, mention what your budget is. Are you looking for high-end celebrity chef, five-star Michelin star cuisine, or are you after food courts? You know, you got to keep this in mind. Who are you going to be there with? Are you eating solo? Are you with a significant other looking for a romantic night out? Or are you going for a wild night out with buddies and girlfriends? What kind of atmosphere are you after? Do you want something a little more romantic? Do you want something uh, uh, old school Vegas? Uh, do you want something casual? These are things you need to keep in mind. What about the location? Do you want to be on the strip? Do you want to go to one of the locals kind of places? Do you want to go off the strip downtown Fremont? Again, throw that into your question and you're going to get a better answer. I haven't even hit on cuisine yet. Again, there are thousands of restaurants in Vegas that cover every single type of cuisine. Are you after Asian? Are you after pizza? Are you after burgers? Are you after sushi? Are you after Italian? Are you after steakhouses? What are you after? Be a little bit specific when you're asking this question so that you can make sure you get the answer you're after. Similarly, when somebody asks, what's a good show to see? This is a question that, in all honesty, I have a really tough time answering it because everybody has different tastes when it comes to shows. If you want proof of this, go peruse the TripAdvisor reviews for any of the so-called big shows on the Las Vegas Strip. You're going to see reviews from people who both absolutely love these shows and absolutely hate these shows. For example, the show Absinthe. This is probably my favorite show on the strip. My wife and I saw this show a couple of years ago. We laughed our asses off. One reviewer on TripAdvisor described the show as side-splittingly funny. Another one said, quote, it's entertainment for angry white trash. <laughs> Cobb by Cirque du Soleil. Another perfect example of this. This is a critically acclaimed show that has dozens and dozens of five-star reviews with people calling it the most amazing show ever. It's also full of reviews where people say they fell asleep halfway through the show and it was one of the most boring things they've ever seen. So again, if you are going to ask questions, what's the best hotel to stay at? Where's a good place to eat? What's a good show to see? Throw in some qualifiers, throw in some ideas of what you like so that people with similar tastes to you can answer the question and give you suggestions that you might actually enjoy. Next up on Vegas FAQ, I want to take a deep dive into your wallet. 
probably the only question that gets asked more than questions about the weather is questions about money and questions about budgets and finances and spending in Las Vegas. The biggest question that comes up, what's a good daily budget? Honestly, this is a really tough question to answer, and I did cover it in depth way back on episode number five of the podcast, so you're welcome to skip back and take a listen to that episode if you want to go deep on it, but I'll summarize it here for you. The really unique thing about Las Vegas is that you can make a Vegas vacation literally whatever you want it to be. If you want to play the part of high roller and spend $5,000 a day on booze and gambling and high-end food, things like that, you absolutely can. Conversely, if you want to do a more budget-conscious trip and eat at food courts and cheaper restaurants and go coupon and bargain hunting, guess what? You can do that too. The key is you need to figure out what type of trip you want to do and then base your budget on that. Another factor that can come into play, who are you going to be traveling to Las Vegas with? If you're going to be there by yourself, you're probably going to spend money differently than if you're there with a significant other or a group of friends or if you're there on business. So again, these are all things that you kind of need to factor in when you're looking at a budget. The next question people will often ask is, well, how can I save money when I'm in Vegas? Well, there's tons of websites that you can check for deals. Uh, some of my favorites, smartervegas.com, travelvegas.com, and vegasforlocals.com. They all have access to discounted hotels, show tickets, tours, and buffets. I'd also recommend jumping on Groupon in the Vegas section there and looking for discounts on restaurants and attractions. There's often some really, really good ones on there. Once you're in Las Vegas, maybe you want to go to a show, you want to try and find some cheap show tickets, ticks for tonight and tickets on demand. These booths are located all along the strip. You could pop into any one of them and take a look and see what they have up for offer. Vegas.com, a great site as well. They often have last minute uh, tickets that you can get some really good deals on there. I myself have taken advantage of that a few times. I did that for the Beatles Love. Uh, I did that for tickets to uh, Penn & Teller, uh, various shows. I've done it a few times. So again, I, I can vouch for Vegas.com. They're fantastic. One thing you do need to keep in mind and a group of people you do need to stay away from when you're wandering the strip, the folks that'll pull you aside and say, hey, you want free tickets to a show? Absolutely 100% guaranteed that those are people trying to suck you into a timeshare sales presentation. You do not want any of that. Another great way to save some money on your Vegas trip, everybody and their dog is on Facebook. There's some great casino games on Facebook. My Vegas Slots, My Vegas Blackjack, uh, Pop Slots, and My Konami Slots. These are all linked together, and they're all associated with the M-Life program, which is the MGM Resorts Rewards program. There's desktop versions of these games. There's mobile versions of these games. And when you play all of them together, you can actually earn towards comps. You can earn gold coins that can go towards uh, comps and uh, discounts and show passes and attraction passes, all kinds of really cool stuff. Now, something you do have to keep in mind is that there are sometimes restrictions on those rewards. They'll sometimes throw in um, blackout dates or requirements where you have to stay at a specific hotel in order for you to use the slot free play or the buffet, stuff like that. So just make sure that you're checking the terms and conditions before before you're redeeming those rewards. Another thing, piece of advice that I'm going to give you when it comes to these games, do not spend real money on these games. I know a lot of people that have fallen into the trap of spending a few bucks here, a few bucks there to get coins. The next thing you know, you've literally spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a pretend slot machine. This is not something that you want to fall into. If you want to get free coins, there's lots of different ways to do that. Um, My Vegas and Pop Slots and My Konami will send out emails every day. You click on a link, you get a bunch of free coins. Also, there's a great website that I was pointed to by a friend of mine, myvegasadvisor.com. They have tons of free coins on there every day. Occasionally, they'll even throw out some ridiculous rewards like a half a billion free coins, stuff like that. So go and 
check that website every day. Now, another way to save money once you're in Vegas, sign up for the different casino loyalty programs like Caesars Rewards or M Life at the MGM Resorts. Quite often, they'll offer discounted rooms or sometimes even complimentary rooms for new members just to try to get you in. Some of the restaurants and bars and shops on the premises will offer discounts for program members. The other thing, too, is when you use your card at those places, they're tracking your spending. So if you're planning on coming back to Vegas, you can use those cards in those programs to track your spending to earn towards future discounts or comp rooms. Also, if you want more tips and tricks on saving cash in Las Vegas, along with a ton of other cool stuff, I would highly recommend you go check out VivaLosValue.com. Sergio Portizan, who is the creator of that website, great dude. We had him on the podcast uh, all the way back, episode number 14. You can dive into the archives and listen to that episode for some details. Or again, go check out the website at VivaLosValue.com. Another money-related question that often comes up involves the topic of tipping. Now, tipping is one of those things that quite often takes people by surprise when they go to Las Vegas, especially if you're from a country or a culture where tipping isn't really a thing. Let's face it. Vegas is a service-based city and everyone, and I do mean everyone, has their hand out for a little piece of the pie. So who do you tip? Well, the obvious ones, servers at restaurants, uh, bartenders at the bar, cocktail waitresses in the casinos, cab drivers, if you're a person who rides in cabs, or Uber and Lyft drivers, if you're a rideshare person. Uh, if you're taking a shuttle or a limo from the airport to your hotel, you're going to want to tip the driver for helping you load and unload the bags. If you're taking the limo and you're asking the limo driver to make a few extra stops here and there, you're going to want to tip the limo driver a little extra. Dropping bags at the bell desk, be sure to tip the attendant there if you you have somebody that actually brings your bags up to your rooms, uh, float them a few bucks. And if you're parking a car using the valet services, be sure to tip the valet attendant as well. Some of the less obvious tips that may come up, people that you might have to tip that you weren't necessarily thinking about, the slot attendant. If you hit a big payday on a slot machine and they're coming over to uh, to help you out and give you your cash, it's customary to float them a few bucks. Uh, if you're playing table games, you're playing a little poker, maybe some blackjack, you're doing all right, you're doing some winning, you're going to walk away. It's a nice gesture to tip the dealer a few bucks as well. Housekeeping. You can tip them either daily if you've got them coming in every day, or you can tip them at the end of your stay. Tour guides, this is one that a lot of people don't necessarily think about, but these people work really hard for their money. If you happen to go on a guided tour of some sort, at the end of the tour, if you're happy with what you've seen and you're happy with what they've done, it's customary to float them a few bucks as well. And if you're going out to nightclubs, this is a great tip, no pun intended. Tip the doorman at the nightclub a few bucks to try and sneak you in a little bit earlier. It's a lot more fun to be in the club drinking, dancing, partying than it is to be standing in line with a mass of humanity. Uh, last one to think about, if you're out on the strip and you get photos taken with any of the uh, the people dressed up as various characters or the showgirls, you're going to have to tip them as well for the photo. Good rule of thumb, if someone's gone out of the way and done something particularly special for you, it would be nice to give them a tip. Now, the big question, how much do you tip? There are about a million different answers for this question. If you want to know more about tipping customs, it's probably not a bad idea to jump online and just Google tipping in Las Vegas. You're going to get a lot of great information, a lot of great results there. Nice that bills at restaurants and bars, they'll often at the bottom of the bill put on there a little guide for tipping. They'll show you the percentages and how much you should be tipping. It's kind of nice to have that on there. My own personal tipping habits at restaurants, I'll usually tip 20% if I'm getting great service, sometimes even 25% if it's a higher end restaurant and they've really gone out of their way. Uh, bartenders and cocktail waitresses, I'll usually tip them two or three dollars a drink. Again, that varies depending on the service and where I'm drinking. Housekeeping, I usually only get housekeeping in if I'm there for four nights. I'll only get them in once, particularly if I'm by myself. And that's usually just to replace the towels and take out the garbage. At the end of my trip, I'll usually throw 20 bucks in an envelope and leave that for them. Uh, one that you don't run into very often in a lot of places, bathroom attendants, but they are there. If I go out and I use the facilities and there's a bathroom attendant, I'll usually take a little mint and I'll throw a dollar into the basket. 
Uber and Lyft, I always tip a minimum of $5 on a Uber or Lyft trip. Now, of course, that will depend on the situation. If the driver has to drive a little bit further, you know what? I'll probably tip them a little bit more. Um, if the driver isn't particularly friendly or it's not a particularly good ride, I may tip them a little bit less. But my general rule of thumb is $5. As for the Bell Desk, if I'm storing bags, I'll usually tip them $5 when I come back to pick up my bags. I don't usually tip when I drop off, and some people have asked me why. For me, it's just a thing. I will tip you more when I get my bag back. Otherwise, I follow the general rule of if I don't tip you at home, I am probably not tipping you when I'm in Las Vegas. So my apologies goes out uh, to Starbucks and all the other uh, fast food places in Las Vegas that give you a tipping option or have a tip jar out. Now, another big money question that's related to hotels, resort fees. The big question that I see, people get surprised by this. What is a resort fee and how do I get out of paying it? Well, Generally speaking, a resort fee is an additional fee that gets added on to the cost of your room to allegedly cover things like Wi-Fi access, pool use, printing boarding passes, use of the fitness center, maybe a few discounts or coupons, things like that. If you're staying at a property on the Las Vegas Strip, you're going to be looking at anywhere from $35 to $50 a day extra added onto your bill. If you're staying off the Strip, downtown Fremont Street, somewhere like that, your resort fees are going to be substantially less and some off-strip at downtown hotels actually have no resort fee at all. Now, the next part of that question, is there a way to get out of paying a resort fee? Well, there are a few different ways. Method number one, get a player's club card and gamble a lot. Track your gambling with your casino loyalty club. Anytime you're playing a slot machine or you're playing a game, make sure you've got that card inserted in the slot so that they know that you're spending money. Another way is by spending money on the resort property. Charge everything to your room. If you're out and about, you're eating dinner, you're going to the bar, you're shopping, any of that kind of stuff, try to charge it to the room so that they know exactly how much you're spending. Now, the downside to both of these methods is that unless you were planning on gambling or spending a lot, by the time you gamble or spend enough money to actually get the resort fees waived, you probably should have just paid them because the amount that you're going to have to spend to get them waived is probably 10 times the amount of the actual resort fees. Now, all the way back on episode number 21 of the podcast, I had a guest by the name of Lauren Wolf. She is the founder of a website called killresortfees.com. She is currently trying to make resort fees illegal. And according to her, the resort fees are, in fact, not legal. It violates various consumer trade laws in the state of Nevada. So if you want to try and get the resort fees taken care of, you can try and use some of her methods. For example, she said refuse to pay them when you're checking in or checking out. Ask to see a manager, explain that these resort fees are illegal, tell them that you're refusing to pay them. Don't take it out on the poor clerk behind the counter making 10 bucks an hour. Ask to speak to a manager so that you can explain why you're doing this. Uh, another method, she said you can pay the resort fees with your credit card and then dispute the charges afterwards. Or if you want to take it that extra step, you can go as far as actually trying to sue the hotel in small claims court. My own personal advice when it comes to resort fees, you can try all of those methods if you like, but my own personal advice is just budget for the resort fee, figure the extra fee into your planning, and, and do this before making your booking so that you're not going to be surprised when you're at the hotel with any extra fees. Another hotel-related question when it comes to money, people will often ask, why are hotels really expensive at certain times, but really cheap? at others. The simple answer to this is supply and demand. Las Vegas hotel prices can vary wildly depending on the day of the week, the time of the year, and whether or not something big is happening in the city. If you're going to Las Vegas during off times or non-peak times, like for example, you know, a uh, four weekdays in the middle of December, it's entirely possible that you're going to find really nice hotel rooms at decent properties for as low as $15 or $20 a night, plus 
that resort fee if you're paying the resort fees. However, if there happens to be a, a large convention in town or a music festival or a big sporting event like UFC or boxing match or March Madness, something along those lines, if any of those things happen to be going on in the city, Prices are going to be sky high, no matter where you're wanting to stay. And that room that you booked for $15 a night the week before Christmas, you could be paying upwards of $250 or $350 a night for if there's a large convention with 200,000 attendees going on. If you're seeing high rates and you're flexible with your dates, try looking at either different days of the week. Try looking at maybe a Sunday to a Wednesday or a Monday to a Thursday instead of the weekend. Or even try bumping your vacation by a week. Move it a week earlier or a week later. That can sometimes hugely affect the cost. If you want to know if there's something going on in the city, jump on the Google machine and type in Las Vegas events or Las Vegas conventions to see if there's something big happening in the city. And if you're trying to plan your vacation... I highly recommend the website VegasMeansBusiness.com. This actually allows you to enter in the dates that you're going to be in the city and see if there's going to be any large conventions going on while you're there. Another hotel-related question that I see all the time, and this one, I don't know why I get so annoyed by this question. People ask, what's the $20 sandwich or the $20 trick? Well, this is an old-school Vegas trick that's been around pretty much forever. The idea is that you sandwich a $20 bill in between your ID and your credit card when you're checking into the hotel. And when you hand it over to the clerk, you just slyly ask, hey, uh, any chance of uh, getting an upgrade? Something along those lines. Now, the big question that always comes up is, does it work? The answer is, Sometimes <laughs> I know people who have tried this with varying degrees of success. I have friends who have handed over a $20 tip and they've been upgraded to amazing full suites, massive rooms with separate bedrooms and whirlpool tubs and amazing views of the strip or amazing views of the mountains. I also have a friend who tried it at the Hard Rock Hotel when we were down there on a guy's trip and he and his roommate got upgraded to the exact same room that I had gotten without doing the $20 trick. <laughs> so the generality of it is it may or it may not work. There's really no way to tell. Um, if you hand over, if you try to do the upgrade, will the clerk give you your $20 back? Yes, they absolutely should be. And a new roadblock that's recently popped up to the $20 trick is uh, self-serve check-in kiosks. More hotels are starting to try to direct people to go to the self-serve check-in kiosks where it may offer you an upgrade, but you're not going to be getting that upgrade for free. Let's face it. You cannot bribe a computer. I think that's actually in the laws of robotics somewhere. Um, in all honesty, a better solution for you if you're trying to get an upgrade, just politely ask the clerk, hey, do you have any complimentary upgrades available? If you're offered the upgrade, tip them appropriately and, and just take the upgrade and enjoy. Next up, I want to try and tackle the topic of getting around in Las Vegas. If you've never been to Vegas before, the idea of trying to make your way around this city might seem a little bit intimidating at first. But honestly, Las Vegas being geared towards tourists, they have made it super, super easy to get around. Some of the big questions that do come up, though, have to do with what it's like to drive in Las Vegas, some of the ways to get around in Las Vegas if you're not driving, and of course, the walking. Everybody wants to know about the walking. I'll answer that first. The big question, how much walking can I expect to do? The simple answer, a lot. <laughs> when I go to Vegas, I walk anywhere between 20 and 25 kilometers a day. For my American listeners, that's roughly 12 to 15 miles a day. Now, if you look it up on Google Maps or Apple Maps or online, you're going to see that the Las Vegas Strip is only 4.2 miles or roughly 6.7 kilometers. However, by the time you start at the top of the strip and wander through all the casinos and all the hotels and check out everything there is to see and do a little bit of shopping and go into some restaurants and grab your drinks and such and such and such and such, the number adds up. You're going to cover way more distance than just those 4.2 miles or those 6.7 kilometers. The other thing to keep in mind is that because of the sheer size of the resorts, 
everything looks a lot closer than it actually is. And it's really easy to misjudge distances and walking times. My favorite, most overheard thing that I hear people say on the strip all the time, you'd be walking past a group of people, they'll have their little map out and they're looking and going, oh, well, the MGM Grand is just right there. We could totally walk there. That shouldn't take too long. In my head, I'm thinking, oh my God, that is still at least 20 minutes away. It looks so much closer than it actually is. So that is something that you definitely want to keep in mind when you're out wandering around in Las Vegas. The one piece of advice that I give everyone going to Las Vegas, bring comfortable shoes, runners, hiking shoes, a really good pair of walking sandals, something that you know you're going to be able to wear for a long period of time, spending a lot of time on your feet. Ladies, if you're going to Vegas, you're planning on doing the high heel thing. I totally get that. I understand it. You're going to the clubs, the fancy restaurants, the nice bars. You want to look good. Again, I totally get that. The one piece of advice I give to you, throw a pair of flats into your purse. If you don't have a pair of flats to bring, there are vending machines up and down the strip where you can actually go and purchase a pair of flats and then throw those into your purse. The reason I say this is you don't want to end up being one of those people walking barefoot on the strip and wandering through casinos in bare feet. It's just, bleh, it's really disgusting. Trust me, you do not want to be that. So again, Grab a pair of flats, buy a pair of flats, throw them in your purse and bring them along with you. Now, maybe you don't want to do a lot of walking. You want to find other ways to get around Vegas. As I mentioned, they have made it super, super easy for tourists to get around in Las Vegas. First off, let's talk about the bus. The bus is a great way to get up and down the strip between the Strip and downtown Fremont Street. There's two options for you. First off, the SDX. That is the Strip Downtown Express. Runs from the North Premium Outlet Mall all the way in the north to the South Premium Outlet Mall, which, strangely enough, is all the way south of the Strip. Uh, multiple stops in between. Runs from 9 a.m. to midnight only, so that's something you want to keep in mind. And once it hits the Las Vegas Strip, it actually moves really, really quickly because it's got very limited stops along the Strip. Now, your other option to get around is the Deuce. This is the double-decker bus that runs from the Fremont Street Experience up in the north down to Mandalay Bay, it then turns around and goes back north. This bus runs 24-7. Buses go 15 minutes all day with the exception of, I think it's from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. They go every 20 minutes, which really isn't that bad. Now, the only thing to keep in mind with the Deuce is it stops way more frequently. So that trip up and down the Strip and over to Fremont Street can actually be quite lengthy compared to the SDX. The thing with the bus, though, is it's super economical to use to get around. A two-hour pass, that's only going to run you $6. A 24-hour pass is going to be 8 bucks. And if you're going to be in Vegas, you plan on using the bus a lot, I recommend buying the three-day pass. That's $20. Those passes are valid on the SDX, the Deuce. And if you plan on exploring elsewhere in Vegas and you want to do it by bus, guess what? Those passes are good on all other buses in Las Vegas. Where do you get your tickets? Really easy. There's kiosks and ticket dispensers at all the major stops along the Strip. And you can also download the RTC app and purchase your passes via the app. And it just gives you a little QR code to scan once you step on the bus. Now, another way to get around. If you're going up and down the Strip, the Las Vegas monorail. It runs the length of the Strip on the east side behind the resorts goes from the Sahara up in the north down to the MGM Grand in the south. It's accessible from inside various resorts along the strip. Now, the monorail does not run 24-7 and it's also not all that economical anymore. A single ride is going to cost you five bucks. A 24-hour pass is $13 and a two-day pass is going to run you $23. Now, if you're playing those My Vegas games that I mentioned earlier, the My Vegas Blackjack, My Vegas Slots, Pop Slots, or My Konami Slots, occasionally they do have Las Vegas monorail passes available as rewards on there. It's usually discounted passes or buy one pass, get one free, but it is going to save you a little bit of cash there. Another way to get around, there are multiple free trams that run along the strip that'll allow you to cover long distances in short times without having to be outdoors. 
These can be especially great during the super hot summer months, that June, July, August, where it's hitting 105, 110 degrees. You don't want to be out in the sunshine. These trams are all air conditioned. Again, they move relatively quickly and they do allow you to cover a long distance pretty fast. Uh, the three free trams, Mandalay Bay to Luxor to Excalibur and back. The Park MGM to Aria to the Bellagio and back. And there's also a tram that runs between the Mirage and Treasure Island. I'll forewarn you on this one. It may or may not be open. Every time that I've been in Las Vegas and I've tried to use that tram, it's been closed. So just ask around before you go wandering through the Mirage or Treasure Island to go looking for this tram, only to discover that you're going to have to go all the way back outside uh, to make your way between those two resorts. Another great option for getting around in Las Vegas, rideshare. Uber and Lyft are everywhere in Las Vegas. Super easy to use, way, way cheaper than cabs. My personal experience with the Uber and Lyft, the drivers are friendlier, the cars are cleaner and in better condition, and the driving is always better. The few times that I have had a bad experience with Uber or Lyft, uh, they've been super quick to respond to my feedback, like within 10 or 15 minutes of me submitting the feedback, and both have either provided me with refunds or credits towards future use. So again, really great stuff there. Few quick tips when it comes to rideshare, download your Uber or Lyft app ahead of arriving in Las Vegas and get your account all set up before you get there. So you're not having to worry about it when you're there. Another quick tip, don't hail your ride until you're at the pickup point. Don't hail your ride when you're up in your room or when you've just arrived at the airport because quite frankly, there's so many Uber and Lyft drivers in Las Vegas that they're going to be there within... At most, I think the longest I've ever waited for a ride was five minutes. And some of the resorts in the airport, of course, are quite large. So the amount of time that it'll take you to actually get to the pickup point you may have missed your ride. They will drive away without you and charge you a waiting fee if you miss them. So again, as I say, don't hail your ride until you're at the pickup point. The other big thing with rideshare with Uber and Lyft, you cannot pay your fare with cash. It needs to be with a credit card. So again, make sure that's set up ahead of time. However, if you're wanting to tip your Uber or Lyft driver, most of them will accept tips in cash. Now, another big question that comes up, What's it like to drive in Las Vegas? In all honesty, I can't really speak to this because I've only done it twice in my life. I will say this, though. Neither time was all that much fun. Traffic on the strip can be an absolute nightmare. Maybe you want that experience of popping the top on a convertible and driving up the Las Vegas strip and good for you. But I will warn you that on the weekends, traffic on the strip moves very, very slowly during the week and during rush hour traffic on the freeway that can be pretty brutal as well. Now, also, if you've got a car there, you've got the added issue of parking. Of course, you can certainly use valet parking. That's not a big deal, but you are going to pay for it. Most of the hotels on the Strip have also started charging for parking in the last few years. There are a few exceptions, though. Tropicana, as long as there isn't an event at T-Mobile, you can park there for free. If you're a guest there, you get to park there for free regardless. Planet Hollywood and the Miracle Mile Shops is free parking. Treasure Island, the Venetian and Palazzo, Fashion Show Mall, the Wynn, Encore, Circus Circus, the Sahara, and the Strat all offer free parking. If you're staying downtown, parking is typically free for hotel guests, and some hotels or casinos will validate your parking after you go there and you eat or you gamble or you shop. My own personal opinion on driving there, unless you have specific plans to go away from the city, if you're looking at day trips, say to Red Rock Canyon or Hoover Dam or something like that, honestly, I wouldn't bother with a car in Las Vegas. There are lots of options to get around without one. And now it's time for us to cover the fun topics on Vegas FAQ. We're going to put the sin into Sin City and talk booze, drugs, and sex. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, a little bit of a disclaimer here. I'm going to talk about laws related to these topics. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a legal expert. If you have specific legal questions, I would recommend that you seek out legal advice. Don't come looking to me. 
I'm only going by what I was able to find on Google. Let's start with drinking in Las Vegas. Big question that comes up, what are the drinking laws in Las Vegas? Well, as with all states in the U.S., the drinking age is 21, and Las Vegas is very, very strict with this. You can expect to be carded and asked for ID no matter how old you are pretty much everywhere you go. If you even look the least bit young or the least bit close to 21 years old, you're definitely going to get carded, so make sure you're carrying ID with you everywhere you go. In Las Vegas, it's totally legal to walk along the Vegas Strip or downtown on Fremont Street while drinking an alcoholic beverage. You do not have to hide this fact. You don't have to carry your booze in a paper bag or be all sneaky about it. You can do it right out in the open. The only exception to this, you can't drink alcohol within a thousand feet of a church, a synagogue, a school, a hospital, a rehab center, or a homeless shelter. The other thing to keep in mind is that if alcohol is purchased in a closed container, like a bottle or a can, you can't drink it on the premises of where it was bought or within a thousand feet of where it was bought. Now, personally, I question as to how often this rule is actually enforced. It's not uncommon to see people buy beer at a Walgreens or a CVS, then walk outside and pop the can open and start drinking. But you may be doing it at your own risk. If you're buying alcohol in an open container, like a plastic cup or one of those silly giant novelty drinks, uh, guess what? No problem. You can drink that pretty much anywhere you want. Now, it is illegal to carry and drink from glass beverage containers on the strip, whether it's a glass out of a bar or a bottle, anything like that. And it also doesn't matter if it's alcoholic or non-alcoholic, but aluminum and plastic... No problem at all on the strip. Fremont Street, however, does come with some of their own rules and regulations around this. They don't permit drinks in either glass containers or aluminum cans. And Fremont Street doesn't permit consumption of alcohol that wasn't purchased somewhere within Fremont Street. Obviously, this is a tactic they're using to try to get people to buy their booze from restaurants and bars on Fremont Street. If you've bought a drink at a casino bar or somewhere else along the Strip or downtown on Fremont Street and you want to get it to go, no worries. Just go up to the bartender, explain to them what you want to do, ask for a plastic cup, and just like that, they'll hand one over to you. Now let's talk about drugs and the marijuana laws in Las Vegas. January 1st, 2017 was a red letter day in the history of the state of Nevada. That was the day the possession and consumption of marijuana was legalized. And on July 1st of that year, sales of recreational cannabis began. Anyone over the age of 21, not just Nevada residents, but anyone from out of state, out of country with a valid ID can walk into a dispensary and purchase and possess up to one ounce of marijuana or up to an eighth of an ounce of concentrated cannabis. The only legal way to buy marijuana or cannabis products is from a state-licensed retail shop or dispensary. There are a few dozen in and around the Las Vegas area. If you want to know where they are, you can Google them ahead of time, or you can also ask your Uber or Lyft driver or cab driver, and they will gladly take you to one. Now, the big question that comes out of this, where can you consume marijuana? Again, I'm only going to tell you what the law says. According to the law, it is illegal to consume pot anywhere outside of a private residence or city-authorized marijuana lounge. Legally, this means you cannot smoke pot in a casino, in your hotel room, or in public, which includes walking around on the Strip or downtown on Fremont Street. Now, that doesn't mean that people aren't doing it. And based on what I've seen for myself in Las Vegas, the police are pretty much looking the other way. At most, they're generally just giving out warnings. That being said, are you willing to risk it? Smoking weed in public can be a $600 fine, and possession of more than one ounce of pot is actually a felony carrying up to four years in prison. Hotels can hit you with huge fines if you're busted for smoking pot in your room. Some hotels will go as high as $1,000 or $2,000 per day. That's even if you're staying in an actual smoking room. Those rooms don't allow smoking of marijuana, but they will allow smoking of cigarettes. Now, 
another question people will often ask, can you buy marijuana in Vegas and take it home with you? Simple answer is a hard no. It is 100% against federal U.S. law to carry cannabis across state lines, even if you're going from one legalized state to another. So if you're traveling from Nevada to California, you're going to take pot with you. Guess what? You're breaking federal law in doing so. It's also against federal law to carry cannabis past a TSA checkpoint. So if you're flying out of McCarran Airport, you look around, you're going to see boxes located around the airport. These are called last chance boxes. So if you happen to have some marijuana in your bag with you, in your, your carry-on bag when you're flying out of the airport and you want to get rid of it, you can drop it in these boxes, no questions asked. All right, next, to quote our friends in Salt and Peppa, let's talk about sex, baby. One of the big rumors floating around is that prostitution is legal in Las Vegas. Well, contrary to that popular belief, prostitution is not legal in Las Vegas. Obviously, this doesn't mean that it's not happening in Las Vegas. I've talked in previous episodes about getting hit on by the casino girls, the, the prostitutes that will approach you while you're sitting at the bar or playing slot machines. You know what? If you want to go for it, go right ahead. I'm not going to judge you. I will just say this. Be very, very careful. Be aware that by going for this, you could be the target of either a police sting or a possible robbery, both of which happen on a somewhat regular basis and both of which would be very hard to explain to your friends, your family or your significant other. Now, as for the cards that you see handed out on the strip or the mobile billboards advertising girls direct to your room, escorts are in fact totally legal in Las Vegas. However, they are not permitted to provide sexual services for money or advertise that sex is being offered. Nevada state law prohibits solicitation and prostitution unless it takes place in a licensed brothel and state law bans licensed brothels in counties with populations of 700,000 people or more, which includes Clark County, where Las Vegas and Paradise, Nevada, where the Las Vegas Strip is, is located. Legal prostitution is available, however, outside of the city of Las Vegas. There are approximately 20 licensed brothels in the state of Nevada. The closest one is Sherry's Ranch, which is in Pahrump, which is about a one-hour drive away from Las Vegas. <laughs> And that puts the lid on Vegas FAQ. If you think I missed out on covering something, please feel free to reach out via Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas, or drop me an email directly at Jeff at WalkerNewMedia.com. And as a special bonus for this episode, because we covered so much material, I'm going to make my notes from the show available as a downloadable PDF file in the show notes at JeffDoesVegas.com. That brings to a close another episode of the podcast. If you've got feedback to share on this or any other episode, or you're after hints and suggestions or tips and tricks for your own upcoming Vegas vacation, you're more than welcome to get a hold of me via social media or email. In the meantime, thanks again for listening. Be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. Be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean. And don't forget to visit JeffDoesVegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 34 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast, a Walker New Media production. <laughs>